You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. I have the honor of opening the word today, and today we are in week four of six in our Reach and Wider series. You know, a series that is causing us to look out from these walls and look at the world around us in our individual lives, in our families, our communities, in this city, the nation, and the world and say, what can we do to reach wider? What can we do to see the kingdom of God come in every sphere and every influence of society? And actually, that can be quite uncomfortable because it's actually quite nice to kind of sit and enjoy and And church can become a bit of a holy huddle, and it becomes a nice and a safe place. But actually, God has commissioned us to go out and tell others. Because church, I don't know if you know, but there is a broken world that needs to hear about Jesus. There's a broken world that needs to receive his love and hear of his love. In week one, Pastor Esther looked at the call to reach that we have been commanded to go. That life now, but life eternal is at stake. In week two, Pastor Martin spoke about reaching wider through our witness, that we are a witness, that we can tell of what Jesus has done in our own lives, that we have a story, but we also have stories about God working miraculously in and through our lives. And last week, Pastor Esther brought an incredible word on reaching wider through compassion, bringing the truth that compassion is the tangible expression of the heart of God to mankind. That through our acts of loving kindness, we can express the heart of God. Next week, we'll be looking at reaching through a generous life. Dr. John Andrews will be here. That will be a great week, so make sure you don't miss that. And week six, again, another great week, we're going to have Pastor Martin, who's going to be asking the question, what is stopping you? And we'll be looking at some barriers to our reaching wider. But today, I'm going to be talking about something I'm so passionate about, which is reaching wider through the gospel. Reaching with the gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say, reaching with the gospel. And today I'm going to be talking about that, and I know that we can have a lot of questions about this. In fact, you know, one of the really sad things of the church across the world today is often if you ask many people what the gospel is, that answer will be very unclear or unsure. You know, I I wouldn't want to pick on any one of us here, but it can be quite blurry in our minds. But the truth is the gospel is a central tenet to our faith. It is everything we are about. And so the first question I want to ask to help us understand this a bit more today is what is the gospel? So the gospel in the Greek is euangelion. Turn to your neighbor and say euangelion. Jeez, you've got biblical Greek locked down. And euangelion literally translated, translated, I can't speak English, never mind Greek, literally translated means good news. This is why you'll often hear the gospel being said as the good news. It literally means heralding of good news. So then the gospel is good news, but what is this good news? The good news is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he died for our sins. And that he rose again, eternally triumphant over sin, over death and the enemy. So that now there is no condemnation for those who believe in him but only everlasting joy. That I can walk with him now, but I will be with him for eternity. That I have a hope that secures my soul, 
because whatever I go through in this life, I know that he is with me and he will walk me through into eternity and I will be with him. That is the good news. The good news because we were separated from him, but through Jesus we can have life with him. That's good news, right? And like I said, it's the central tenet of the Christian faith. The clue is even in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name literally means God is salvation. Whenever we say the name Jesus, we are saying God saves. There's a clue. There is power in names. And the name of Jesus literally means God saves. It's so important. This is central to the Christian faith. And we're passionate about seeing people saved, of coming to know and receive the good news for themselves here at CLM. And since June last year, we have seen 65 recorded responses to the gospel across our services and ministries. How incredible. We, we should give Jesus praise for that. 65 people stepping from death into life, and that's only recorded in our ministry areas and in our services. Sometimes, you know, if you're peeping when you shouldn't be peeping, you might see a few hands go up. But we're seeing lives changed and transformed, and probably there are countless more through your own reaching wider and in your life, which is incredible and which, which is what we want. We don't want that 65 to be what is only happening through the people of God here at CLM. Amen? Because we want people to be impacted through your life and in your world. But we're believing for that number to be even more. We're believing to see thousands of people touched, changed, and transformed by the power of God. And hopefully we can already begin to see that the gospel is important. But the next question I want to ask, because I see a few blank faces, is why should I reach wider with the gospel? You know, Pastor Esther unpacked this in terms of our general reaching wider. And all of that is relevant to us. In week one, she spoke about the command of Jesus to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, the great commission, the final commandment of our Lord and Savior to go and make disciples of all nations. The Holy Spirit coming and empowering us to be what? To be a witness. The love for our neighbor and our concern for our destiny and their destiny. Saying, I love you too much not to care for you. I love you too much not to share with you. But I believe often we struggle with this in terms of actually telling people about Jesus. We live our lives just hoping an opportunity will crop up. We live our lives hoping people will just come up to us and say, what must I do to be saved? We would love that. And God does that. God does move in that way. But so often what we do is, is, is we make excuses for ourselves and we live in a place where we think, you know, so often what I hear is, I don't want to shove it down people's throats. You know, I don't want to Bible bash someone. I, I don't want to, you know, make people feel awkward. So I just live my life. You know, I love this quote, but it can lead us down a, a, a dangerous path. There's a quote that says, uh, the Bible, uh, your life, sorry, is the only Bible that some people will get to read today. And that's so true. You know, the way that you live, the way that you love people, the way that you lead, the way that you navigate in your workplace or in your school or university, that will show and shine Jesus. And that is amazing, and I'm encouraging us to continue to do that. In our last three weeks, we've been looking at how that is important to reach him wider. But the truth is that each one of us, 
as followers of Jesus, we are called still to proclaim the good news. We are called still to tell about Jesus. We are still called to tell people why we live our lives in the way that we do. People might look at you and think, wow, something's different about them. How amazing. The way that they love, the way that they've impacted my life, the way that they're so generous with their words and their life, and yet they never know why. And you know, some really impactful verses for me are found in Romans 10, 14, 15. And it says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them or someone telling them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, of those who bring the gospel. How can they know unless somebody tells them? You might think, no, 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 that's for a preacher. It says preach there. But the word there literally just means to tell or proclaim. And each one of us can do that. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, we want to respect other people's values. We want to respect what they love and what they believe in, but we also want them to know and understand that we have a hope that goes beyond this life. That really, if we believe this, we believe that they are dead in their sins, but life can be found in Jesus. And I think to myself, do I love them enough to tell them? Do I believe this enough to break out of my apathy? You know, I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Laziness. I just get lazy sometimes. On my days off, I think, I don't, I don't want to speak to anyone. Never mind talk about a spiritual thing. But I pray. I have to pray and start the morning. God, break me out of this apathy. Because I believe this. How will they know unless they hear? You know, when people hear our stories, we have to be prepared to give a reason for that. When people hear about us going to church, church, we are told to be prepared to give a reason for this hope that we have. You know, the football team, they always kneel. Our CLM football team, we kneel and pray at the end to give glory to God. And my hope and prayer is that we will be asked, why do you do this? Because the team, what we need to be ready to do is to give a reason for the hope that we have. You know, if you're living a life that's set apart and called out, if you, you make a decision not to go into a certain place or, or space, you know, maybe you're shooting and you say, I'm not going to that party tonight. No, 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 I, I don't do drugs. That's not me. And your friend asks you why. What an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that you have. The gospel needs to be proclaimed. It must be told. You know, and I struggled with this. And really, sharing the gospel wasn't a big part of my life for a long time. Remember when I was 16 and like I'd, I'd made a decision for myself to follow Jesus and like people had seen that my life changed. And uh, I was in sixth form, I think it was in the common room and a friend asked me like, Luke, what must you do to be saved? Like it was that perfect moment, like what is going on in your life? What must you do? And I remember going, I was thinking, I've heard this in the Bible. I said to them, um, in the Bible it says you've got to repent and be baptized. And so I was like, that was fire, Luke, well done. 
And they said, what does it mean to repent? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I've got no idea. And uh, I just, had, I like froze up. I didn't know what to do. And I realized like so much of what we say and what we do is like Christian jargon. If we're really asked by someone that's unbelieving, we'd have no idea what we're really saying. And it took a journey for me. Someone else asked me once, I remember after that, I was scarred. And someone else asked me like, Luke, what do you really believe in? I was like, just Google it, man. Just Google. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. You know, Esther's got some incredible stories about like revival in a school. I have not. Um, but God shaped me and grew me in this. And when I was 18, many of you will have heard me share that, you know, I went off to Singapore and I was in Singapore for, for just under a year and a half. And God set me ablaze for the gospel. God shaped me and changed my life forever. You know, we, um, for my first three months, I did something called Alpha Track. And Alpha Track was basically a course to equip people in evangelism. So like, I was there, honestly, like I was immersed in a different culture. I didn't like the food. It was too hot. It was all kicking off. Day three, they were like, we're going to do street evangelism. I was like, what? <laughs> Literally every afternoon for three months, we went out to the streets of Singapore and shared Christ with people. We shared the gospel with people. We got to pray for people. There was, if you don't know Singapore, they've got three main languages, English, Mandarin, and Tamil. And um, like there's many, for the aunties and uncles there, many of them like speak little bits of English, but m most of them speak Mandarin. And um, so the only bit that I learned, if I saw an auntie and uncle, I was feeling lazy and I was like, I don't want to share in English, but my, um, my partner could share in Mandarin. I just went up to them and I told them in Mandarin that Jesus loves you. They'd look at me and I'd go, partner, time to shine. And so I remember, like, I, my mom can vouch for this. Like, Singapore was a breaking time for me. I used to FaceTime my mom. I'd be crying. I'd be like, this is too much, mom. <laughs> it's too much. Because I was grappling with all sorts of things. The call of God, I was grappling with having to do this. And, and actually, what, I began to, what God began to evoke in my heart was that this gospel is for all people. That I want them to know that, Luke, I am sending you to tell them. And this isn't because there's a call of God on my life to be a pastor or a preacher. No, it's the call for every believer. And there was a group of 16 of us and we'd go out and we'd do this. And it was incredible to see God work and God move. And you know what resonated for me in my first week? I, I, I thought at the end of this first week, this actually works. This actually works. And some of us, we need to have this revelation today that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That it actually works. My dare to you is try and tell someone. See what happens. Of course, we had some interesting responses and interesting engagements, but God shaped me in that time. And no much more so at the end of that three months, we went on an overseas missions trip to the Philippines. It was my first mi missions trip, really. My first one before that was to Chalesmore, so <laughs> it doesn't really count. And uh, we went over to the Philippines. We flew into Manila, which is the capital, on a, on a normal plane. And then we got a scary plane to a smaller province called Iloilo. And uh, we got off the plane, and like, honestly, I'd prepared myself. I was like, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. And uh, if you've ever been to the Philippines, it's a very nice country, amen? Yeah, I, but I thought I was going to die anyway. Um, and uh, we had a jeepney there waiting for us. And if you don't know what a jeepney is, the best way I can describe it is just an unsafe bus, okay? And so this jeepney picked us up, and it took us to a little barangay, which is a village. And we were staying at a church there. 
And um, we had lots of things planned, like we'd learn and, and prep little songs and dances, and we were going into schools, and we went into hospitals to pray for the sick. It was incredible. We saw God move in amazing ways. But a lot of our day was spent out going in twos with a translator and sharing the gospel. We were going door to door, sharing on the streets. And one day when I was walking down the street, um, the pastor, the pastor of the, the, the home church, he said, Luke, Luke, come. There's people that ne- need to hear the gospel. So I was like, sure, let's go. So I walked along. I was sweating. Guys, like, I'm a sweaty guy. I sweat in England. So like Philippines, I was gone. People thought I'd, you know, in a water fight. Anyway, so like, that's the scene on the street, side of the road, other side of the world. And the pastor calls me along. And he says, Luke, these people need to hear the gospel. And there's five people there. There's a dude smoking, looking at me really angrily. I was thinking, it's going to kill me. There was a lady next to him, and she had a baby, and she was breastfeeding. And I was like, oh, this is a different audience to what I've had before. But I was like, fine, fair enough. They all need to hear, proclaim to the whole world. It's all good. And um, so what we did, we did this little um, performance, uh, myself and my partner, where we talk about broken hearts and how Jesus healed broken hearts. And it's a great way to communicate the gospel without words. And at which point, someone needs to share the gospel. But the pastor of the church was there. So I was like, Pastor Ninto, over to you. And Pastor Ninto looked at me and he went, Luke, over to you. And I was like, no, no. But I was like, come on, Luke, you can do this. You can do this. And so I remember just like, Lord, I need your help in this. I need your help. And I plucked up the courage to do it. And just before I began to speak, there was a jipney. So if you know what a jipney is, as I've said, it's an unsafe bus. An unsafe bus with over 40 people comes along. And they see a random white dude in the middle of a village in the Philippines. And so what do they do? They pull over and everyone gets out of the bus. I was like, no, please. Everyone's looking at me. I was like, they think I'm Justin Bieber. What is going on? But I had to share the gospel. I had to share the gospel. So I was like, Lord, help me. So I've got an audience of like 45 now. And I'm like, mad. Side of the road. It's all kicking off. I'm like, ah. And um, I pray, Lord, help me. And I just begin to share, John 8, that Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows him shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I talk about God breaking into my own life. And then I think this is going really well. And I feel a sense of God and the Holy Spirit. And then I think, oh my goodness, I've seen this in church. This is the point where I'm meant to do a response. I was like, nah, nah. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I've seen preachers do this before. I'm going to play it safe. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I know some of you guys cheat in that. You're looking around. We see you. But actually, as I was thinking about doing that, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, no. I was like, no, why? Come on, please. I knew that I was doing that out of fear. But I kind of grappled with the Holy Spirit, and I felt a sense of God in that place. And even by the side of the road, I knew that Jesus wanted to see people come to know him for the first time. And so what I did, I plucked up the courage and I said, if you want to walk in the light of Christ, if you want to step from death into life, if you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. I was like, oh, this is finished. Like, my partner, just please pretend to be in the audience and put your hand up for me. And in that place, by the side of the road, we saw over 30 people give their lives to Jesus for the first time. Yeah, hallelujah. And we got to say a prayer that, confessed Jesus as Lord, and and it was a life-changing moment for me. Why? Because I realized God cannot be confined to a church. This gospel cannot be chained. It needs to be proclaimed wherever we are and wherever we go. 
It doesn't mean you need to stand by the side of the road or in the middle of town, although if you do, great. But what it means is that we should be willing to share. Share with our colleagues, share over lunch, share over coffee, share with a friend. It was a game changer in my life as I saw God move. The whole experience helped me understand that this was for me, that the Lord had put the gospel in my hands. It left me feeling far more equipped, equipped to give a reason for the hope that I had. And what I want to do next is ask the question, how can I share the gospel? Everyone say after me, how can I share the gospel? And before we walk through a tool together that visually explains the gospel, I want to look at a few practical tips. And my first tip to encourage us in sharing the gospel, if we're going to reach wider with the gospel, is we need to spend time with Jesus. John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It is only if we want to tell people about Jesus, we need to spend time with Jesus. Spending time in prayer, spending time in the word, getting to know him, getting to know what he is like. As I spend time with Jesus, I begin to love what he loves. And church, if you don't know already, Jesus loves people. And if I've spent time with him that morning, spent time in his word, then as I'm walking and I see someone, I'm thinking, Oh, Jesus loves this person so much. How could I share with this person? Spending time with Jesus. Secondly, pray with others and pray for others. Pray with others. It says in Hebrews 4.2, God also testified to it, testified to the gospel that is by signs, wonders, and various miracles. You know, a word of knowledge can break into someone's life and into their heart. Praying, an opportunity to pray for someone who is sick and them seeing and experiencing the power of God gives an opportunity for their heart to be open to the gospel. We're not going to spend too much time on that today, but I'm sure if you speak to Steve and you wanted to get involved in healing on the streets, then he could link you up. It's an incredible work of seeing the power of God move. Or if you want to chat to Dawn, who I know is involved, and, and they see God moving in incredible ways. So we pray with others, take an opportunity to pray for them. And we pray for others. Church, if you don't know it, salvation is a miracle. It is only by the work of God. If I had a dead person here on stage, I wouldn't be able to raise them on my own. And in Ephesians 2, it says that we, without Christ and outside of Christ, are spiritually dead. So why do I think that I can't raise someone physically from the dead, but I can raise someone spiritually from the dead on my own? No, I can't. Our mandate, church, is to share. It is the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit that causes death to life and causes scales to fall from eyes. Does that make sense? Which is why we need to pray. If you're doing talking Jesus in our life groups at the minute, it's encouraging you to pray for five people. I haven't got time to share stories of, of times where I've prayed for people and God has just given incredible opportunities and soften hearts in a way that I never could. A thousand words couldn't do what Jesus does in a moment. So we need to pray for others. Encourage us to grow in understanding. 2 Peter 3.18 says, grow in grace and knowledge of God. You know, it might mean that you need to read a good book. Maybe you've got a Muslim in your workplace and you think, 
I don't know what to tell them about God. I don't know really what they believe. And whenever I say something about Jesus, they tell me he's a prophet and I don't know how to engage with that. Maybe it is that you need to read a, a good book. You could read Nabil Qureshi, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, and, and hear about his journey of faith. You could read a, a book about apologetics so that you feel more equipped to be able to share. You don't need to do all of these things, but it's good, church. It is good. There's an incredible book called The Case for Christ by a man called Lee Strobel, who was a journalist, and, and he, read, he, uh, he set out on this journey to disprove that Christianity, to basically prove that Christianity was false. His wife came home one day, said he was, she was a Christian. He was like, no. And he set out on this. And during that journey, guess what? He came to find out that Christianity is real. And he gave his life to Jesus. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig. Some incredible books on apologetics. Read some inspirational books about incredible stories of lives changed and transformed. There's so many of these so that you can share of common ground and you can share about God moving in power. You might think, oh, this is, this is too much hard work. But church, this is worth it. This is worth it. If we can see a life touched and transformed. Next, I encourage us to share your story. Pastor Martin was talking about this, but people can often rebut um, our apologetics. They can rebut us talking about um, Jesus from the word, and they might say, no, the Bible this and that, what about the Trinity and all of this, but if you share your story, it is yours to tell, and it is yours to share, and it is yours. They can't say, no, no, this is false, but you say, this is my experience of Jesus, this is my life before, and this is what Jesus has done. Your story has power. And my final tip, really, is to take the conversations deeper. Take the conversations with your loved ones that don't know the Lord or your colleagues. Take them a bit deeper. You know, it's really hard if you're chatting about lunch to try and suddenly jump into the gospel. You know, yeah, what are you having for lunch? Jesus is the bread of life. Oh. We can be like looking for ways, so keen to jump in. But we've got to think, how can I take this conversation deeper? Be intentional in our sharing. You know, you might want to talk to them and ask them, what do you believe about life after death? You might think it's morbid, but it's so important that we engage people with this. Well, you know, I was speaking to Erlu, who's an evangelist in our congregation. She loves telling people about Jesus. And I asked her, what do you say? And Erlu says, can I ask you a question? And the question she asks is, if there was an earthquake today and both of us died, where do you think you would go? What do you think would happen? And it begins a conversation. Maybe you want to talk about their life philosophy. You know, the truth is, people love talking about themselves. People love talking about what they know or think or believe. So ask them, what do you find purpose in? You know, what gives you hope every morning? What's your muse in life? What is your motivation? You could ask them a really key question, and this is some, something that I ask young people, something that I ask people in church, because it's a great gauge to see where people are at. It's the question of, what do you think about Jesus? Or who is Jesus to you? Jesus is someone that people often hear about. But that question and that answer is a great platform to be able to speak and share the gospel from. So we've taken the conversation deeper and we've asked the question. And then you might say, can I share with you who Jesus is to me? Or can I share with you how I believe that we'll be with God in heaven when we die? 
Or can I take a moment to draw a picture that shows you where I get my hope from? Just a moment, an invitation to ask them, can I share with you what I believe? And an opportunity then for us to share. And what I want to do right now is put a tool in our hand. We've given some tips. We've looked at the why. We've looked at what it is. But I want to give us a tool that we can use to share the gospel. Is that okay? Yeah? So what's going to happen now? Stewards, if you could help me, everyone's going to get a pen and a piece of paper. Okay? You're going to have to work hard today. (laughs) No, you won't. Fantastic. So if you've got a pen and a paper already, that's fine. But we'll make sure everyone's got one. I think we're nearly there. Great. You might want to fold your piece of paper in half if that's a bit easier. Fantastic. Are you with me? Brilliant. Okay. So some of you may have have used this before, and fantastic if you have. And what I want to encourage us in this moment is we're going to learn together. So whether you're, even if you're a a non-Christian here, you can still do this. This is okay. Um, If it's your first time in church and you're like, ah, do they do this every week? We don't. Um, But it's okay. We're going to learn together. And um, this is originally a navigator's tool, and it's called the Bridge to Life. So if you're listening on the podcast and you can't see what is going on, we're going to draw the bridge to life, okay? And what I want us to do in the first instance is if you just follow along with me, okay? So I'm going to draw, and often what I find, this is really helpful. You could be in a restaurant or a coffee shop with someone or just have a scrap piece of paper somewhere, and sometimes looking in someone's eyes and preaching at them can feel very intense for both of you. And what this does, it draws some of the intensity out because you can draw a little picture And it leaves a great question to ask at the end. Okay? So if you draw along with me, and then you're going to have, this is encouragement to concentrate, then you're going to have five minutes in pairs to share with the person next to you. If you don't know the person next to you, why don't you say hello to them right now? That's fine. Great. People looking at their pairs like, (laughs) great. Fantastic. So I'm going to put some scriptures up in a minute. And what I'm really going to try and do is try not to preach this, okay? Um, if we could have this on the screen, Steve, that would be great. There we go. Look at how high tech we are. Whew. Hi, mom. <laughs> My mom's actually at the back. You can see me anyway. It's fine. So, okay, step one. Okay, I'm going to try and do this like I'm just having a conversation with someone. It's going to be very hard because I try and preach all the time. Um, so in the beginning, we start at the beginning, right? And God created us. And God created us, the Bible tells us, in his image. And he created us for a relationship with him. So, firstly, we draw God. And we've got us. Simple. I'm really good at art, so just watch out. That was a joke, by the way, if you didn't get that. So we've got God and we've got us. And God created us for a relationship with him. But everyone knows that for a good relationship, there needs to be love. But the truth is that you can't force anyone to love you and you can't be forced to love them and so if I said to Jack you've got to love me Jack you know Jack might have some issues with that and so the truth is that God wanted us for real relationship with him so he gave us a choice do we choose to love him or not and the truth is humanity has chosen not to love God in fact we've chosen to turn our backs on God and the Bible calls this sin it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and what this has done is that it's caused a separation between us and God. You with me so far? So we have humanity. We've got our creator God. And with our relationship with God, we had everything we needed. We had life. We had purpose. 
And in this place, we don't. And so there's actually a void. There's a gaping hole. In Isaiah, it talks about your iniquities, your sins, your rubbish has separated you from God. And so we stand in this place. You can draw your little stick, man. If you're better at art, you can do whatever you want there. And we want to get back to this place of relationship with God. And we try and do all sorts of things to fill this void or get back to God. It might be that we try religion. It might be that we try to to get to God through good works. It might be we try and earn a lot of money or through academia. It might be that we're a a gym freak and we, we love it. We're mad for it. It's our life. It's everything that we are. It might be that we try and just be a very moral person and and give to charity. It might be that we use relationships to fill this void or sex. You can think of of whatever it might be that's used to fill that void. And you might say some of these things aren't inherently bad, but they're never going to get us back to God. They're never going to get us back to the place God intended us to be. Jesus himself says the only way to the Father is through him. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And all of these things ultimately... They lead us to death. The Bible says that the wages of our sin, the wages of our separation, what is due to us because of our wrongdoing against God, of choosing against him, the wages of that is death. So all of us separated from God are headed to this place. Not just that we physically die, but eternally we will be separated from God. And I don't know fully what that looks like, but I know that's not going to be a good place because all of life, all of love, all good things come from God and I want to be with him and I want you to be with him. So what's the solution here? It says in the Bible that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. We have Jesus here who paid For us on the cross, he bled and he died and he rose again that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And a great way then at this point is to ask them, you know, I've told you that, but where would you say that you are on here? And, you know, they might say, okay, I feel like I'm separated from God, or I might say that I'm with God. And, and you can just get a gauge of where this person's at. And you can ask them why you feel that way. And really, what we want them to know is that you can be with God. You can have life eternal. And you can write a few of the things down that you know Jesus has done for you. Maybe it's the peace of God. Maybe it's here that you want to write hope. And, and really... You want to let them know and ask the question, do you want to be with God? It's not just about when we die, but you can be with God now. Do you want to invite God into your life? The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So many of us stumble at that moment because we think, ah, what do I do? But it's just, you can let them know it's just a simple invitation to, to pray a prayer, to ask God to be part of your life. There's no magic in that prayer, what it is, it's a commitment to follow after Jesus. An outward confession of a heart belief to say, yeah, no, I want to turn away from my sin and what I've done previously and turn to God. Is that okay? Yeah? So what's going to happen now if we have some verses on the screen? 
verses that I used didn't necessarily reference because, you know, people won't be impressed if you're hitting on with Genesis 1, 26, Romans 3, 23, Romans 3, 26. This is fantastic, amazing. They just want to hear the truth. And you can communicate that truth to them. You know, you don't have to know the whole Bible back to front to be able to share Jesus with someone and to share the love of God. Um, in my final few moments, I just want to encourage us and really ask three questions really quickly. And if we answer these questions honestly, I believe that we can see and step into everything that God has for us in sharing the gospel. You know, I think that it's so important that we ask these questions because it's questions that we all deal with, but it's not sometimes so clear that it's the questions that we're dealing with. We just kind of suppress them. It's thoughts, it's fears, it's feelings. But I want to crystallize it with three things really quickly. The first question I want to ask is, am I a minister? Am I a minister? Turn to your neighbor, look at them in the face, and ask them, am I a minister? After you just preach to them. You know, so often the truth is that we think sharing the gospel isn't my job. It's not my responsibility. And we think, actually, you know, doesn't it in Ephesians 4 talk about there being evangelists? But what's really important for us to know in that fivefold gifting is that the job in verse 12 of an evangelist is to equip you and I for ministry. It's to equip us to serve and to equip us to tell others about Jesus. And the most clearly that it says this is in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to 15. And it's on the next slide for us. And I'm not going to read it all for us. But it says here that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What do, you have to be, what do you have to have to be a minister? You have to have a ministry. And guess what, church? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a ministry. You're a ministry head. And it's the ministry of reconciliation. God has called us, it says later on, to be his ambassadors. We represent Jesus on this earth. It is not just for the chosen few but it is for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor now and say, I am a minister. This isn't an ordination service, so you're not suddenly accredited, but you are a minister of the gospel. The second question I want to ask and is really important for us is, am I ashamed? Am I ashamed? You know, this is such an important question for us to deal with. You know, in proclaiming the gospel, we can make so many excuses around sharing. And we kind of appease our consciousness and our conscience. But really, it's so often rooted in our fear, maybe even in our pride and in our insecurities. And I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself today, maybe even as you get home, am I ashamed of this? Am I reluctant to share because I don't want to be embarrassed? Do I believe this? And you know, Paul had to ask himself this question. The Apostle Paul asked himself this question, but it was very quickly answered. In Romans 1.16, the verse we looked at earlier, it's Paul writing, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. I am not ashamed of this glorious gospel because it has saved my life. It has ransomed my family. It has lifted me from the miry clay and set my feet upon a solid rock. I'm not ashamed of my wonderful Savior because I know that in him I have hope and purpose and significance and acceptance and security. Church, are you ashamed? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it has saved my life. 
and it has the power to save the world. A final question I want to ask as I invite the band up as I close is, am I empowered? Am I a minister? Am I ashamed? And am I empowered? Jesus' closing command to his disciples is found in Matthew 28, as he commands them to go and make disciples of all nations. How will they do it? We read the key in Acts 1.8. The key is the Holy Spirit. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and that includes Coventry. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. The Holy Spirit gives us power not to hold back the good news of Jesus Christ. To be a witness of who Jesus is and what he has done on the cross and what it has meant in our life and what it can mean in theirs, the Holy Spirit empowers us. I want us to take a moment and think of every song that we sing in church. And it helps us think of everything he is to us. I wonder if we could just close our eyes. You know, think of some of your favorite songs. We sing of being dressed in his righteousness alone. We sing that he's a way maker, that he's a miracle worker. We sing that should I ever be abandoned or acclaimed, that there's a name I can remember. We sing that he's our savior and our redeemer and our friend. And church, we have that because we've known Jesus. But the truth is there's a world that doesn't have that. They don't have that peace in the storm. Jesus is the way to that. He is that. And church, how will they know if they don't hear? And how will they hear if no one tells them? The message is the power of God. And the people of God are empowered by God himself. Church, we can do this. We can reach wider with the gospel. Can I invite us to stand to our feet? I'm going to invite us to close our eyes and position our hands to receive today. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us again, that we might be full of Him. That we might say, Lord, I am a minister of your gospel. I will not be ashamed. I will not be silenced by fear. I will not be silenced by society. I will not be silenced, Lord, because I am empowered by you. Just take a moment to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Whatever that means for you, maybe it's, Lord, I'm not ashamed. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we pray right now, Lord, that you would come and fill this place. We thank you, Lord, that we are your empowered people, Lord, that the gospel is the power of God. Lord, we look at our city and and we've seen the knife angel and we stare it in the face, Lord, and, and we see that the answer to these things, Lord, the answer to these problems is found in you alone, Jesus. Lord, we believe that you are going to move. We believe that you can use us. I pray, Lord, right now that you would raise ministers of reconciliation in this place. Each and every one of us would be ambassadors for you. Lord, I pray where there is shame of the gospel, would you lift that in Jesus' name. I pray for boldness and courage to arise. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to break out. I pray that you begin to break every wall down, every wall that stops us, Lord, and you would come and fill us. Father, I pray as we worship you now, you would come and remind us of who we are and who you are for the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you.